0: Praise the Lord, dear brothers and sisters, from the churches in Southern California. Um, <clears throat> we've been building up a bit of a new tradition in these last few years to have a mini conference uh, during the Labor Day weekend. So, um, which is what we're having uh, this very weekend, and. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, still because of uh, uh health safety reasons we decided a few months back to conduct this conference uh primarily online now i understand that uh in different areas or districts or clusters in southern california some saints may be coming together to watch these uh messages uh in some cases saints may gather in uh, various homes to watch them together, um, which is very, very good. Um, Anymore, um, our coming together uh, follows the principle of having a feast. Uh, Jehovah's people is a feasting people. And when uh, the Lord uh, delivered, the Israelites, out of uh, that slave house in Egypt under Pharaoh's tyranny. Uh, Moses made it very clear as a spokesman for God that let my people go, that all of them would leave this place and go into the wilderness, and there they would hold a feast unto me so we are saved not to go to heaven we're saved to have a feast even in a situation that is maybe temporary uh, transitional in the wilderness but eventually all of god's people were to enter into the promised land of canaan to perpetually hold feasts unto Jehovah, feast after feast, even all ordained by God, seven great feasts and maybe others. Um, God loves feasts. God loves a good party (laughs) with his people to enjoy one another. Of course, the picture is that today as the church, God's people, we are the enjoyers of Christ. Christ. God's Son, who is the all-inclusive one uh, given to us by God as our eternal portion. So nothing would make God more happy than to enjoy His beloved uh, with us, and for us to enjoy His beloved with Him, and for us to enjoy this Christ one with another. And that's just our life. It's a very entertaining life, isn't it? This is a very joyous and glorious existence to enjoy Christ with God as his people. Now, uh, this weekend, uh, by now you should know with the previous wonderful messages, um, the subject is the Lord's coming, the Lord's coming. Uh, may I uh, uh, rehearse with you just the titles of the last three messages, and I'm here to continue or somewhat to conclude this line of burden. So the general subject is simply the Lord's coming or Christ's return. In message one, we have an absolutely marvelous message on being reconstituted with the healing Christ. You know, when Christ come, he would have the healing in his wings as the son of righteousness um, in the last days for his coming. So today, before he comes, we should be enjoying this Christ who is not only in the heavens, that's where he will come from, but he's also indwelling our being in our spirit. Not only he will come as the healing Christ on that day, but indeed he is the healing one in our being today. And we need to be reconstituted with such a one so that we can be prepared, right, to meet him. Actually, only it is the Christ within us who will, Meet the Christ above. Now, the second, uh, it's a profound and marvelous message. I hope you will not just uh, put aside these outlines and call it a conference, but you will go back and study these things and uh, enjoy these things again and again. The next two uh, uh, messages were are a pair. Uh, Actually, those two messages and this last one, number three, are all under this general title of our preparation for the Lord's coming. How do we make ourselves ready? How do we prepare ourselves for the Lord's coming back? In the first message, that would be message number two, we cover... Watching and being ready. Watching, of course, this mainly is uh, is based on the Lord's own speaking in Matthew twenty-four, verses thirty-two and through forty-four, and chapter twenty-five, one to thirteen, concerning the foolish and the wise virgins. All of that, those parables, uh, is a continue or we continuous speaking of the Lord, in chapter twenty-four of Matthew, which is a famous chapter that covers the signs of the Lord's return, from the Lord's own mouth, and how we should be watchful and ready for that for that day. And the uh, uh, next message uh, has this title, uh, Being Faithful in Service in the Lord's Commission and in His Gifts. And very obviously, this referred to the second parable in chapter 25, and this would be verses 45 to 51. In cha- firstly, in chapter 24, it starts talking about the stewards, the prudent stewards in God's house versus the unprudent ones who beat the fellow slave, who are drunken, who are dissipated and, you know, versus the prudent ones who gave food at the appointed time faithfully. Uh, And it continues in that uh, parable, famous parable of the three, right? Uh, Slaves of the master went abroad, this refers to Christ going to the heavens, but leaving, uh, appointing to these slaves of his, uh, his possessions, for them to invest, for them to do something with, to make a profit, to uh, gain a return, to earn interest, because the best, this master is a businessman himself. He doesn't want, he's, he's not giving gifts and talents to us for nothing. So you know the story how one just chose to just bury it. In other words, he didn't lose his gift. At that time, he just didn't earn anything and thinking the master was hard and this is probably the safest route to take. And that he did, and when he came back, uh, the master did not deny that he was a hard master. But he turned it around and say, "If you know that, why didn't you do something with what I have given to you? This just won't cut it." And so he said, "Take what he has away from him and give it to the one." Uh, who has and who make the money, right? This is a very, very solemn warning to us. We may not have lost the gift, but you know what? The Lord may remove it from us. Remove the gift from us to give it to some uh, who are faithful. So, This is part of our preparation for the Lord's coming as virgins on the life side and as slaves on the side of our service. Um, And these two eventually has consequences, their behavior, their life, their work on the on the uh, side of the virgins, uh, these wise ones before the bridegroom came, timing is everything, yeah? They pay the price and purchase the oil. So they were not only the ones with the lambs burning, which means a regenerated spirit. They also had their vessels filled with oil, which they bought with a price. That that means their soul were filled with the spirit. And these are the transformed ones. Uh, these are the ones who are filled with the Spirit. And, uh, and they were uh, invited or allowed to enter into the wedding feast of the bridegroom. As a result, the five uh, foolish virgins didn't do that. They still have their lambs burning, but nothing in their gas tank nothing in their vessel or very very little so they they actually asked these smart ones hey share some with us they say no you go and buy it so this is not a joke brothers and sisters one day if we don't buy the oil pay the price in this age Sooner or later, you still have to pay the price and buy that oil. It's much smarter and much more prudent and intelligent to pay the price today, while the price is still relatively low compared to that day. This also refers to a maturity in life to be filled with oil, is to attain to a certain spiritual maturity, growth and maturity in life today. The other one with the slaves pertains to their work and service and ministry on behalf of the master's interests, the Lord's interests. Today, in this age, So that has to do with our investing, using, employing, whatever gift the Lord has given to us, large, small, five talents, two, one. The quantity is not up to us, but up to the sovereign God, right, and the the one who gives. Our job is to be faithful to whatever measure that is given to us faithfully. And those who did that, they will be what entering the joy of the Lord. They will co-reign with Christ. They will share with Christ certain authority to oversee certain parts of the earth, co-kings with Christ. And this is for them. And so this has to be do with their utter faithfulness and sacrifice in their service and ministry for God's purpose. So these two sides determine how it will be for us when the Lord Jesus comes. Most Christians today have no idea. They just think, I die, then I will meet the Lord in heaven, or I'm going to heaven um, or some who had a little bit more knowledge of of uh, the end times, or when the Lord comes, I will shoot up into the air, raptured. You know, in the old days, we even have these bumper stickers in the 60s or 70s. Beware, it's in the bumper sticker. In case of rapture, this car will be unmanned. That means I shot up there. What a deception. Uh, No clue that that is not the truth. That's a fable, okay? There are many raptures, many kinds of raptures at different times. You may be rapture as an early overcomer. You may be rapture as a late overcomer. And you also may be rapture Along with most of the Christians as the remaining harvest. There's a difference to these raptures. So I'm not, that's not my burden, but I want to rehearse these things. So today we also need to prepare ourselves, ready ourselves for the Lord's coming by being such faithful slaves. To serve the Lord. <clears throat> now, this last uh, message, for which is my message today, I said already I'm not going to point by point cover it, but I will cover this in principle, and um, with some two patterns that I want to share with you. the uh, so, uh, The title of this message is having dispensational value to God in the last days to turn the age. Really speaking, friends and sisters, the Lord is coming as He promised. You know, I share somewhere else, the last promise in the whole Bible is in next to the last verse in the Bible. I come quickly. That's the very last promise of the Lord. In the entire Bible, I come quickly. And so, uh, to which the Apostle John responded with that corporate cry, amen, come Lord Jesus, right? But we have to realize the Lord is not coming because God's, you know, alarm bell rang, and so it's time to go. No. He will come. Only the Father knows the day or the hour. Even the Son of God does not know it. Only the Father knows it. No one else. And so, uh, when and even why uh, would the Lord come? Not just because Time's up, you know. It's time. No. He is coming back for something. There must be something for him to come back to. It should be the church, his heart's desire, right? His purpose. But that church degraded, did it not? In these last 2,000 years. So he will come back still for something that is worthwhile for him to come for his own satisfaction. And that would be coming back for a bride. And that bride is not the whole church. The wife is the church. But the bride refers to the overcomers, the group of overcomers in this age they are the dead ones, there will be the live ones, regardless. Uh, there will be the Old Testament ones, the New Testament ones. All of God's overcomers in the age, co- ages collectively would be this bride that Christ will come and marry. And, and uh, uh, number one. Uh, number two, he is coming back to gain his body. Am I right? He is the head, the the head Christ, the individual Christ. He is coming back because he uh, made a promise. He gave the greatest prophecy there was, I will build my church, the church which is his own body. So even though the greater part of this body uh, failed and uh, is in ruins or is desolate um, or degraded. Christ must still have the reality of the body to come back to. And that would be represented by also the overcomers, a small group of saints of believers who are the overcomers. And this is what Christ will come back to. And as we saw recently in the training and so forth, that this is the Zion that the Lord wants within Jerusalem, Jerusalem is not enough, even though it's the city of God, but he needs a mountain to come back to, and that is the highest peak of Jerusalem, and that is Zion, the overcomers. So who are the dispensational instruments that will bring the Lord back? That's what we say, bring, the usher the Lord's return. It must be the overcomers. Those wise virgins are the overcomers. Those slaves who invested their gift, they are the overcomers. And especially in these last days, we surely are in the last days. We're very close. Given the fulfillment of prophecies, you look around, you consider. We are very close to the end times the last days, there is a need for overcomers who will be those dispensational instruments to turn this age, right? This age from the church age or the age of grace or the age of mystery to another age, and that is the age of the kingdom of Christ on earth. So the call is here. You know, this message must have a call. And that is the call for overcomers. But we speak about this in the light of the Lord's coming. or More specifically, in our preparedness, our preparation for the Lord's return. Now, uh, I'll just read Roman 1. I'll just read it because it's wonderful in the outline. Every time God wants to make a dispensational move, an age turning move, he must obtain his dispensational instrument. We must be those who have dispensational value to God in the last days to turn the age. I hope we can have that prayer in our heart. Lord, I want to be a person of value to you, dispensational value to you in the end of this age. A the goal of God's eternal economy, the goal of the divine history within human history, we all I assume we all know what this um, this, this means is to have the corporate Christ, Christ with his overcomers. That's the corporate Christ, not Christ and the church. No. But Christ with a particular subset of the church. The successful subset of the church called the overcomers. Christ with his overcomers as the crushing stone in in Daniel, uh, to be his dispensational instrument to end this age and become a great mountain, the kingdom of God. You, you, can, uh, you can study this. B, simply speaking, recovery is to overcome. Have you heard of this? This straight from the ministry. Recovery is to overcome. That means the spirit of, of the Lord's recovery is simply the spirit to overcome, the spirit of overcoming. Now, not all the saints in the recovery are overcomers. No. Don't, don't, don't assume that. Don't presume that. It's not the case. Even in the recovery, not all will overcome, but the Lord's recovery does afford the very optimal environment and situation for us to overcome. To be in the Lord's recovery is to be in the Lord's overcoming, being prepared to be his overcoming bride for his return. So, friends, sisters, why are we in the recovery? Why? Well, you see, I stumbled upon it. Well, No matter how you ended up in the Lord's recovery, everyone is different. But the purpose is the same. Now that we're in the recovery, we are here to be made as his overcomers. Not just to meet our need to overcome, to be victorious, you know, all of that. But really to meet his need, to gain such an overcoming pride for his return. Now, number two, uh, and I'm going to basically use this portion, not going all the points, but coming to use the pattern of two brothers to illustrate this point. Only the Nazarites can bring back the Lord Jesus So plain. Remember this sentence. Only the Nazarites. Of course, the Nazarites is an old testament thing. They don't probably didn't know anything about the Lord's coming. But we apply that. We apply that vow, the very, very special vow. It's called the backdoor vow sometimes, when the general priesthood of God failed and degraded, have been become abnormal. God, for himself, prepare a back door or side door for some who may by blood uh, by the lineage, not qualify to be priest, but because of their burden, because of their volunteering, because of their heart, they allowed in to that priesthood. The best example is Samuel. Although he was a Levite, but he was not part of the house of Aaron. He can be a Levite, I suppose, or could have been a Levite, I suppose, but not a priest. But his mother, Hannah, prayed that prayer, which was, put into her by God, actually, for God himself. He need a man. He need a dispensational instrument. So he put in Hannah's heart to pray the Hannah Hannah prayer, right? And that is a prayer for God's purpose and God's need for a child. Not only to remove her shame, that's that's she did ask that for Samuel in that way. But it is to be given, lend to Jehovah all the days of his life for for whatever God's need was. And of course, against this degraded house of um, uh, what is the the priest there, the old priest? Eli, right? Uh, very degraded priestly, uh, priesthood then. Uh, he would raise up a man for himself, and that would be Samuel. He became the top priest, and uh, somewhat ending the age of the Priesthood. <clears throat> okay, so only the Nazarites can bring back the Lord Jesus, such ones. These are really the overcomers. All those who are used by God to turn the age must be Nazarites, voluntarily consecrated ones who are sanctified absolutely and ultimately to God. All right, we spoke quite a lot about Nazarites over the years. Now, I just want to remind you, not going through all the points of the four main characteristics or qualification of a Nazarite. The first one, the Nazarite... Well... First of all, first and foremost, a Nazarite is one who volunteer themselves, who voluntarily consecrated themselves to God to be sanctified, to be made holy. So their whole life and the whole existence is for nothing. Is for nothing. They are persons. Who are absolutely and ultimately devoted to God and His needs and purpose. All right? So I would say, say the overarching characteristic of a true Nazarite is in this word, absoluteness. Absoluteness. One who is Totally, completely, ultimately absolute to God and for God. Okay, then underneath there, there are four things. Number one, the Nazarite is one who abstained from wine and anything related to um, the uh, product of vine signifying that he must abstain from all kinds of earthly enjoyment and pleasure which lead to lustful conduct and a lustful intention. Anyway, this is a person who is separated from the world, from the earthly enjoyment and pleasure unto God. This is the first characteristic. The second is that a Nazarite uh, led his hair grow long, signifying that uh, uh, he remains in subjection to God. And in today's terms, it means a Christian or a saint who is totally in subjection to the headship of Christ. I won't get into the White long hair and this kind of thing, you can go study it. But I want to emphasize this is a man fully under uh, submission, taking a fill with submission. Uh, um, and it says here, with this kind of person, there is just an, uh, s- the standing, the atmosphere, and the intention with this person is Nothing but submission. Easier said than done, brothers and sisters. Uh, you know, here it says if you are this is the ministry, if you are such a person, there will be a great blessing for you and your future. How about that? Now uh, 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 witness Lee uh, in in his life study of numbers, said this, "quote, I thank the Lord that from the day I came into the recovery, the Lord put me under someone, something, or some environment, to what to teach him the lessons of submission, and I tell you that someone which is not plural but singular." I can tell you who that is. That's Watchman Nee. And I'll get back to that point in a moment. All right. Uh, there's no self-glory, you know, with long hair. No self-glory. In fact, to, for man to have long hair is to bear shame. It's to bear shame before men, but for the Lord. The third characteristic of a Nazarite is uh, one who is not defiled by deadness, right? So uh, whether it is uh, relatives or uh, anyone who died, uh, he is not to be moved, not to, um, he would stay away uh, from anything of death. What does that mean? That means there is nothing natural about this person. Uh, You know, I I read a point uh, here from the ministry. Natural affection is honey, you know, honey. And ambition for leadership is leaven, both of which were forbidden in the meal offering, you know, the meal offering. Nothing damages the church the church life, the ministry, and the work more than ambition and natural affection, which are closely related. So remember that. A Nazarite will not be defiled by affection, uh, will not be defiled by ambition, and will not be defiled by any uh, anything natural. He lives in resurrection. Okay, the last characteristic is a Nazarite was not to touch anything dead uh, so that he may not be defiled because the most hateful thing in the eyes of God is death. So, So what are Nazarites? Nazarites are... They constantly war against death. They they will not uh, go along with any death. They fight for life. Uh, it's not just a matter of sin, but worse than sin, something worse than sin, and that God hates, and that is death. So they stay away from death. They will Stay away from anything deadening or deadly. Now, having said this, now I spend the time to, uh, use these two brothers in a brief way to illustrate such a Nazarite life. How these two brothers, in my estimation, are genuine Nazarites of today, at the end of this age. And as far as I'm concerned, dear brothers and sisters, I imitate them. I follow them. I like to copy them. Because I would like to be such a Nazarite, to have a share in what? Bringing the Lord back. So the two brothers, one, Abraham Chang, that most of you don't know about or never heard of him. The older ones might have some faint memory. But this brother, in Chinese, Zhang Xiangze, Zhang Xiangze okay. I say this for the sake of the Chinese-speaking saints. He has died uh, many years. In fact, it was 1986 that he went to be with the Lord (coughs) in Irving, Texas. Um, And um, um, he is senior. He was born in 1912, so he's an really an older generation. Um, he was, um, before he came into the church and began to serve the Lord, he was a professional uh, uh, military man. In fact, he attained a very high rank and even the rank of a general uh, in the Chinese army. Um, he came into the recovery uh, in Taiwan and uh, came under Brother Lee's training, the first trainings for full-timers uh, in Taiwan. And at the age of 40 plus, he became a full-timer a little bit later in his life. The other brother, our dear brother Benson Phillips, that, of course, more of us would know about him, but I'm still not certain or, or sure that many of the young brothers and sisters know who he who he is. Uh, in part, due to his uh, uh, sickness and illness in the last years of his life, that is the last few years. Uh, he has not been functioning or speaking or active um, as he had been before. So he's the one who passed away uh, uh, a week ago. <clears throat> I, this is my own testimony and this is also my own opinion. I have the I do not claim to be the closest to these two brothers. uh they're both senior to me in age and certainly in maturity. but I have the blessed and happy uh, um, opportunity to serve with them for a period of time with Brother Abraham Chang, who hailed from China and mainly served in taiwan and in the far east uh, I knew him and he knew uh, me when I was even younger um, uh, he doesn't he he couldn't he could not speak and communicate in english uh, until uh, until the end um, uh, he's from uh more or less, he represents the Far East a direction. Then Brother Benson is an American. In fact, he's a Texan, right? Uh, and uh, he was uh, gained by the Lord for the recovery when he was in his 20s. Uh, when Brother Lee began uh, his work, his ministry in this country, He he was invited to many free groups and different places around this nation, and he would visit them to give conferences and so on. And uh, he went to Texas uh, to give conferences. And this brother Benson and his uh, cohort of young people, many of whom went to the same uh, Bible school or uh, in there in uh, uh, Plain, Plainville, right, Texas, um, uh, together. And they were introduced to, to the books of Watchman Nee and eventually heard that Watchman Nee's main co-worker was in this country. And so they found out about Brother Lee's whereabouts and joined the conferences and so on. Um, there was one time in, uh, there was a conference in uh, Dallas, and there were several hundred people, if I remember correctly, and eventually not one was uh, gained for the recovery. I should say only one person was gained, and that's Benson Phillips. And, uh, For years, he served in Texas and, of course, eventually more broadly in the Lord's recovery and more, probably more known by us, uh, he served in Russia. For the last 25 years, I had the uh, opportunity to also coordinate with our brother very much. Uh, That means after Brother Lee had died with the older brother, Abraham Chang, uh, only for uh, two two or three short years before he passed away. I was his interpreter, traveling translator, when he would give, give messages, including visits to Texas. You know, I cannot forget that road trip that we went to visit the churches. Now, in a very brief way, because I have no time, neither am I, have I the burden, and neither am I that qualified to really tell all the story, history, and anecdotes. Uh, I'm sure in the coming two uh, memorials for our brother, here I would like to mention this. One, I believe, is 9-11, September 11th, uh, the week after Labor Day weekend, there in Irving, Texas, I believe that memorial should be online, although it is in person there um, if you could, if there's a way, I certainly encourage the brethren and sisters to join that to hear the stories to hear of this very special brother in our midst and uh then uh in uh the international um elders and co workers uh training in the beginning of october, the last day on the Lord's Day uh of that training, Itero, there would be a uh, memorial for our brother, um where there probably would be more from brothers from overseas and so on. Um, and of course, after that, he will be, um, buried in Grace Terrace. Um, <clears throat> I just, uh, since last week, uh, and Benson's death, uh, I've been, uh, totally preoccupied by the thoughts of him and uh, the reflections of him. But when I think about him, I cannot help but think of Abraham Chang. All right? I could not. And it turns out, in my personal testimony here, that these, besides Brother Witness Lee, of course he is out. Uh, most senior co worker, we all follow him and learn of him. If there were the, another group of brothers that I would follow and learn from, I will tell you chief amongst them would be these two brothers. And I don't say this easily or lightly, that has been in me for a long time. Even when they Benson was alive right and even when Brother Abraham Chang was alive I never said this I never tell anyone about this I didn't even tell my wife about this but I am telling you all today about this this is my honest uh, testimony the and so one in the east, one in the west, but somehow they couldn't even communicate to each other. Somehow these two are joined at the hips. I, I use that term. They're like a twin. They're like twins, in the sense that they they look alike. They 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 sort of have the same DNA or something like that. They uh, genes they. They they uh, uh, they mirror each other they uh, they were identical in their heart, in their absoluteness in fulfilling the Nazarite vow they are the same they found in each other uh, a what? Someone who is co-sold, co-sold. Uh, and now, the last three days, finally, I got it. What is that? That is, I, with some help, I dug up the uh, sharing in the memorial for Brother Abram Chang. In July the 5th, 1986 in Irving, Texas, and everything start to come together, which reaffirm this observation of mine to reaffirm that feeling that was always in me a uh, concerning these two Nazarites concerning these two brothers. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read just some. I'm going to read uh, firstly uh, something from, uh, these are speaking concerning Abraham Chang, okay? All right, this is 1986. I want to read to you something of what Brother Lee said concerning Abraham Chang. Then I will read to you, what Benson Phillips said concerning Abraham Chang. And then I will draw this conclusion for, for all of us. And that's be the end of this message. Young brothers and sisters, you don't know these things, but you must know these things. You need to know history. You need to know these things. You need to know these brothers. They are our patterns. They are our top examples. They are utterly worthy of our imitation. Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Sounds very, very prideful, right? But it's not prideful. It's a principle. It's a principle. The principle I call of imitation. That pass on a heritage, right? From generation to generation to generation. You need young people, you need to study these two brothers. I encourage you to know them and also to learn of them to imitate them, as I have done and still doing to some degree. Now, here's Benson's word. I don't read the whole thing, but give you the taste. So Benson said concerning Abraham Chang, I would like to mention three points. In 1968, about 140 of us from the United States went to Taiwan. Actually, I was part of that group. After being, as a a college kid, right? After being in Taipei with Brother Lee, we took a trip to the southern part of the island. And we met Brother Chang, Abraham Chang, in Taichung, the main, main city in the middle of the island. I still remember the impression his sharing gave me that night. Quote, this man is Absolute, unquote. That's the lasting impression. And that testimony of absoluteness has reminded, has remained just as strong over the intervening 18 years, 68 to 86. In recent years, although Brother Chang had lost some of his eyesight, I would see him on the videos of the meetings he would either be sitting there nodding or he would be sharing something to support Brother Lee's burden. For the past 18 years, he has been a strong testimony of absoluteness to me. So Benson Phillips imitated this Abraham Chang, whom he didn't really know that much. What's a Texan doing imitating a Chinese from Taiwan? I have felt many times that this is the one brother I should follow. See, this has nothing to do with the natural realm Chinese, American, nothing, not in that realm. You see? The second thing is his testimony of oneness with the ministry. This is all Benson speaking. In the late 1970s, those of us here in Texas began to be burdened to find a way to practically coordinate with Brother Lee's ministry. We were praying and looking to the Lord that a way may be realized. It was during that time that we began to really fellowship with Brother Chang. In Texas with Brother Chang. And I mentioned to you some of the visits Brother Chang made to that state. We found that the churches in that state, we found that although he was from Taiwan and we were from the United States, in the matter of the ministry, we just reflected one another. See? Reflected. When we met with him, we would charge him and he would charge us. They they, they incite one another to good works. He confirmed everything that was in us and unveiled many things further. When it became clear that Brother Lee had some burden to build the hall in Irving, this is 1980 or something like that, Brother Chang outdid us in his support for this matter, the Irving Meeting Hall. He came to Dallas and traveled throughout Texas, sharing with all the saints how we need to coordinate and cooperate practically with the ministry. He even visited other churches in this country to see this realized. We all need to know that the credit, listen to this, the credit for the hall in Irving, where we enjoy such a rich training, they just finished the summer training in 86 on the conclusion of the New Testament. The credit very much goes to this brother. Again and again, he fellowship with us how strategic it is to see that the ministry is carried out practically. And in many ways, he showed us how to carry it out. Carry it out. To me, our brother left us A great testimony of absoluteness for the Lord, A, uh, in his recovery, and B, of oneness with this ministry. These two points, these two points. And there's a third point he talked about, we can talk about another time, very, very important, and that's the matter of fellowship that he learned from, uh, that uh, Benson learned from Abraham Chang. Then uh, he said this, he said, On Monday, I said to Sister Faith, Abraham's wife, would you and Brother Chang come to my home on Saturday, that's the day of that funeral, to fellowship? I will fellowship with you again. But on Tuesday, he went to be with the Lord. I'm sorry I could not have... (coughs) Uh, him in my home one more time but I'm so happy that we could gather around one who bore such a testimony I have felt brothers that brother Lee is worthy witness Lee his leading is worthy of being followed and his teachings are altogether worthy of acceptance and practice but there was another man that I also felt was worthy of being followed, and that was Brother Chang. I thank the Lord I got to know this brother. Amen. Now, this is Abe Benson's esteem for Abraham. Don't don't you feel they are co-sold? They're like. Two peas in the same pot, they, they are, they are the same kind of brother. They are Nazarites. Now, Brother Lee, <clears throat> on Brother Abraham Chang, I won't just uh, salient, uh, uh, sentences. Throughout the past 33 or more years, he started, this Abraham Chen started to serve full-time in 1953, all right? The past 33 years. This is 1986. My appreciation for Brother Chang has been according to the following main items. There are four points. Number one, his absoluteness in seeking and following the Lord and his recovery. Number two, his usefulness and faithfulness in the ministry for the lord's recovery number three his constant unchanging oneness with the ministry and lastly his not caring for his own life to the uttermost the brothers have already testified to these points but I would still like to point out two instances of his not caring for his life for the Lord's recovery. I will skip uh, those, uh, that story, the, the, the stories. And I will just say at the end uh, how Brother Lee had wanted to see him after the training. He was too preoccupied with the training, but it didn't happen until that day uh, in the afternoon, Sister Lee and Brother Lee were going to go uh, to see Brother Abraham and his wife, Sister Faith Chang. But while they're on their way to their room, to their, from one room to the other, they were in the third floor of Irving, Texas there. Uh, Sister Li and Andrew, Brother Andrew you told me Brother Chang had already gone. I couldn't see him anymore, but one day in the glory of his return, I will meet him. At which point Brother Li broke down, broke down, and wept uh, uncontrollably, bitterly. And I, as I was there. And they I could never forgot, forget that scene, uh, you rarely see Brother Liu cry or wipe a tear publicly. I heard the other time was when Watchman Lee died in 1972. Brother Lee received the news and openly wept. This time I saw him. And it's the kind of... Uh, uh weeping or grief, uh, you, you cannot uh, pretend, right? You cannot act that out. It's its uh, the outpouring of grief in our brother is so um, um, just overwhelming and moving. And you know our brother, how much our brother Lee um, esteemed and appreciated and trusted this kind of brother. Not many brothers, not all the brothers, but this particular brother with such a kind of characteristic of absoluteness. Now, I would venture to say, brothers and sisters, again, this is one man's opinion, that if Brother Liu were here, I think he would easily say the same thing about Benson that he said about Brother Abraham Chang. Those four points, those four points. And I like to read it to you again because (laughs) some of you may not have written it down. Number one, his absoluteness in seeking and following the Lord and his recovery. Number two, his usefulness and faithfulness in the ministry for the Lord's recovery. Number three, his constant unchanging oneness with the ministry. And finally, lastly, his not caring for his own life to the uttermost. There are two main things in this four points. Number one, that is the Lord's recovery. Number two, the ministry. And so, uh, dear brothers and sisters, this is my burden uh, today, and it let it serve as my conclusion to this line of fellowship on the Lord's coming. What does these two brothers have to do with the Lord's coming? Too, too much. Only brothers like this and saints like this, and they are saints like this, brothers and sisters in the history of the Lord's recovery, only this kind would really are the overcomers the victorious ones who are joined in soul, much like Timothy was joined in soul with Paul, to not seek anything for themselves, but what? But the things of Christ. Now, I just read the end point and I'll be, I'm done. In these last days before the Lord's coming, We must be those who have great resolutions in heart and great searchings of heart. Judges, uh, chapter 5. The Lord's present charge to us should be, go and teach the nations that the present age may be consummated. B, in order to take the Lord's charge, we must keep the oneness. If we lose the oneness and the one accord, we are finished as far as the Lord's move is concerned. By the way, I want to tell you, these two brothers are like this. Their home, their sojourn is not in one place. They they really are, live on the earth and move about from village to village, town to town, continent to continent, nation to nation, to take care of God's interest. They are for the gospel. Look at Benson going to russia uh, is a testimony in itself Um, and the way he coordinated with brother lee is rare to say the least that allow brother lee to have a way to direct the move in russia uh, for the lord's recovery their burden is for the nations for the lord's interest and also These two brothers are brothers who are strong in the matter of keeping the oneness, keeping the one accord. This is really very special with them. The Knowing that the one accord among us is the master key to all the divine blessings. See, we should rise up to follow the Lord in his present move and have ourselves adjusted to his regulations to be useful to him. Well, let me say this. Uh, How do we prepare ourselves for the Lord's coming? It is by all these things. But today, I would like to encourage us all to what? To follow, to imitate, to copy those worthy, exemplary, exemplary, approved patterns and examples that are present in the Lord's recovery. Be careful how we follow. We all follow someone. We all should and need to follow someone. But as Brother Lee said towards the end of his life, as a warning and exhortation to us, be careful who you follow, who you follow. I am so glad that I did not follow the wrong brothers, the wrong persons. I very much am grateful to the Lord for that. And I just even exhort all of us to do the same. May the Lord gain more Nazarites among us, more brothers Abraham and Benson among us, for the sake of the ministry and for the sake of his dear recovery. Amen.